What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of I Came With Fire podcast. Uh, tonight, we are here with somebody special. We've got Luis Espindola. Um, if you guys have checked us out for some time, you know that we have a specific sponsor, Redefine Violence, Sheep's Clothing, LLC. Well, this is the gentleman behind that. And um, But Luis is a United States Marine Corps veteran and is also running for uh, Congress. But I want to let him go ahead and uh, introduce himself. Luis, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me, man. It's, it's a pleasure. It's an honor to be here. Uh, yeah, I'm Luis Espindola. I do own Redefined Violence, and I've kind of kept my my face out of that uh, as far as business-wise. The business model we had for that early on was let's make it about everyone else and, and the violent mm-hmm. arts that they train in versus, uh, hey, look at me. Um, right. I got that framework from studying a bunch of other brands and a bunch of other companies that uh, kind of came on the scene, you know, within the last few mm-hmm. years. And a lot of it was the same person over and over. So so we want to do right. a little something different. You know what I mean? Where am I supposed to look? Can I look at the camera or? Dude, look right at the camera. All right. All right cool. Right, This beautiful face yeah, right here. Yeah. <laughs> You'll be good to go. But um, okay. anyways, yeah. So um, from there. Uh, I am running for the U.S. House of Representatives here in Texas, uh, the 27th district. So that's first time doing anything like this, man. And it's it's been a wild ride so far. So I, I I'm having Dude, a blast. This is a this is a daunting task, I'm sure. And I've talked to a few other people who have gotten into to politics who are I'm not sure how old you are, but like I'm an older millennial. And right. one of the other guys I know I'm talking about, he's an older millennial as well. And getting into politics and just talking about getting to see behind the curtain and, and and Oz, so to speak, and just how kind of screwed up everything is and how like getting a small taste of that, that, uh, political BS. Like, have you experienced any of that so far? Like what the bureaucracy is like? Yeah, absolutely. Even within the own Republican party. I mean, there are, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll keep the, the generalities there. There's, there's different factions, sure. you know, there's different factions, uh, regionally. And, uh, this district is huge. It encompasses 14 different counties in Texas. And, for anybody mm-hmm. who knows anything about Texas, one county can damn near be its own state. So uh, there's sure. a lot of ground to cover. And within that, there's the dynamics of the district are so, so different. You know, you got from the coastal bend down here uh, all the way to oil and gas and farming. You, you've got so many different industries in one district. But to answer your question, yeah, the the dynamics within politics have been have been interesting. As a newcomer, you you kind of experience you experience a little bit more. I've been asked what my previous affiliation to the party has been. And, and I'm up front. Mm. Like, hey, I've had no previous affiliation with the Republican Party, but um, I just gave a little speech on it last night. I, I see that as kind of a strength because there are so mm-hmm. many people that have uh, political apathy and voter apathy that don't really think that their vote matters or that anything that they do mm-hmm. matters. But I'm learning firsthand that, oh, crap, the only reason people feel like that is because they don't understand that if they do get involved, if they were to get involved, they can't actually sway an election, especially in a congressional race or a district race for mm. a state representative or local judges and things like that. It's uh, it's just one of those things, like I said, it's you you don't really experience it and get the chance to tell everybody else, you know, to the left and right of you, hey, it really does matter until you start to mm-hmm. get involved. So, yeah. Yeah. I can uh, definitely relate with some of that apathy, like you said, because here in California, um, I can only vote by mail. 
And I don't find that to be very trustworthy. I don't like that I'm sending something in my mailbox. The postal carrier has to pick it up and somebody somewhere else is looking at it. I would much rather go to a booth and do something, right? That's crazy. So, is that How long has that been? Uh, since like, like since that 2020. Since mm. 2020. Yeah, we'll keep and, it. Um, that. We'll keep it at that since 2020. Exactly. Yeah. I gotta, yeah. You know, we got to use specific jargon, right? Yeah. Uh, but I mean, I'm I'm not from California. Uh, you know, I'm originally from Florida. Uh, just out here because the Air Force stuck me out here. Um, right. You know. So, but I, I don't agree with it. I don't like voting by mail. My, you know, my wife and I both feel the same way that it just leaves a lot open for somebody to to do something. Um, but. You know, I I don't think there's I think in general there's not a lot of trust in our political system anyway. So it's it seems natural. Yeah, the trust in the political system is one of the reasons that I'm running. Um mm-hmm. I, I want to focus on something that's that I've come up with. I don't know if it's an original term, so someone on the internet mm-hmm. correct me if it's not original, uh, lateral legislation within Congress. So mm-hmm. I haven't really seen anybody go to Congress and look left and right and say Hey, how do we govern ourselves better? You know, how do we mm-hmm. give the American people a better product, especially if there are no term limits? You know, mm-hmm. the more you talk about term limits within the political apparatus, you get kind of like the cold shoulder and kind of like the, oh man, this guy's all about term limits. He's crazy, you know. But when you talk right. about term limits to regular everyday people, they're all for it. So it just kind of shows you, you know, the, the different dynamics and the different thought processes. But the trust in the political system, everybody thinks Congress is corrupt, man. It just, mm-hmm. it just is the way it is, you know, and I don't care yeah. if I get backlash for it. The American people don't trust those who govern us. So why not send someone up there? Send a couple of us, you know, there's 435 members of the house, send fucking five or six, you know, that just mm-hmm. want to say, Hey, we should come up with rules and regulations to govern ourselves better. And uh, to make sure that we don't lose touch with the districts that we represent throughout the entire country, you know, not just Texas. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that should be kind of a standard. I mean, there's there's sort of a precedent for it. The system that the Romans had is definitely not the same as what we have in the United States. But, you know, you had the plebes and you had the the patricians, right? right. These people that were, they were represented by of the, the, the lower class of people and then the, the upper class of people and the lower class still had a voice. And, you know, you can argue whether or not that was sort of like um, not much of a voice at all, if any, but just kind of there. Um, but there should be, there should be the common man like you, me, it shouldn't be unprecedented in the United States now for you to step in and say, this is my government. You guys work for me. I'm coming in because now I want to make some changes because we're not happy with the way things, things are going. And um, that seems to be to me from the impression I've gotten of your, your platform is what you want. I mean, you're, um, you stated, you know, you're not like, not like one of them kind of thing. And, um, you know, that's a refreshing take. I think a lot of us are looking for. Yeah, uh, the, that's literally the campaign slogan or one of the tags on mm-hmm. that we use is not one of them uh, because I don't know. I just don't see myself represented and I'm not talking about the beard or mm-hmm. long hair or sleeve tattoos, you know, which I'm told to cover up all the time. But uh, it, it's uh, it's just truth and uh, truthful identity or excuse me, um, that's the word that I'm looking for. Uh, genuine, genuine identity mm-hmm. uh, there in Congress and. There's a couple, you know, sprinkled for sure. I, you know, I don't want to bag on all 435 of them. Uh, there's, there's got to be, there's got to be a few of them that are that are good and decent. But for the most part, yeah. man, I, I don't think that they truly are the voice of the districts that they represent. And that's mm-hmm. something that I talk about as I go throughout. Say, hey, if, if I'm 
not the person you vote for. If I don't earn your vote, that's okay. But make sure that you pay attention to who you're voting for and make sure that their voice matches your voice. I heard what your, I think it was your partner or you that mentioned something the other day that a politician Mm -hmm. should be viewed at like a bus route. Yes. Zach likes to make that analogy. Yeah. And, and I'd like to repeat it now and I'll give him all the credit. Uh, A politician should be viewed like a bus route. It you're rarely going to get a politician that takes you to the exact place that you want to go. Right. But to vote for somebody that's going to take you to the complete opposite side of where you need to go out of spite is absolutely insane. So mm-hmm. when I heard that on your guys' show, I, dude, I fell in love with that. And I, I used yeah. it once. I credited you guys uh, because that's a great way of looking at things. Dude, it, it is a really good analogy. And I actually hadn't heard it until Zach said it to me. Um, but everyone has that, like what you said, they think it's a great way to describe how you should look at it. Right. And um, I really like when he says it. So dude, you take off and run with it, man. Use, <laughs> use it all you want. Because it is, it's a really good way to think about it. And if you were trying to explain voting to like a group of sixth graders, I feel like it's at that level too, to where a lot of people can understand it. You know what I mean? Definitely. So yeah. Um, so obviously, like, you know, how you view, um, you know, our current system is one of the the inspirations for why you wanted to run. But what are some other things that that kind of inspired you to say, you know what, this I'm actually going to do this. I'm not just going to talk about it. Well, part of it was the the current representative. And, you know, I won't dog on him or anything specifically as a person. But sure. after six years, you know, in office, I started to ask myself, well, when when is a good time to ask these politicians hey when does this service start to turn into a career you know and it's mm-hmm. really his fault that i'm running because i told myself okay if he doesn't <laughs> run for another term then that means that he's kind of got the same mindset and you know term limits and, and passing the torch of demo- or democracy or i'm mm-hmm. i'm hesitant to use that because it's a constitutional republic i know that everybody but um yeah so uh, i know what you mean yeah, exactly. So taking taking a look at that and realizing that people are corrupted when they're there, mm-hmm. whether they want to be or not, something has to keep them there or something's mm-hmm. draw, driving them to stay there. I kind of call it the leather chair theory. You know, they, they get up there and they start to feel that leather chair and they ask their assistant, they're like, hey, how much does this job pay again? And the assistant tells them, well, sir, it's 174000 a year. So the congressperson sits back and says, okay, cool. So what do I have to do to stay here? They said, well, mm-hmm. you have to fall in line. Hmm. Okay. All right. I'll do that. You know? And then that's just my opinion of what happens. You know, that's my theory of what goes on up there and it becomes a cushy job and service no longer plays a part. It's now about yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, it's yeah. not, I don't think you're far off when you consider some of these um, you know, career politicians like you're talking about and how much money they've made in their seat. And it's evident that they're not making it just because of their salary. You know what I mean? So yeah. I think as people get people get comfortable and, you know, you you spent time in the military just like me. And how many times have you seen people that maybe hop? I'm not sure what your MOS was in the Marine Corps, but maybe they hop from like one back office position to another and they do everything they can to avoid like 
you know, going out and like for me as, as a, as military police, going back out and working the road or whatever, right. Yeah. They do, do everything they can to avoid that. So it, I feel like it's one of those things where human beings get real comfortable with that leather chair, like you said, yeah. and the, 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 the office and they do a lot to, to stay out of there, especially when there's that monetary incentive. But, um, locally, what are some of the things that like you hope that if you were to be elected that you could do to improve and kind of sphere out from there? Well, so what I think we struggle with in this district is the relationship with the current uh, incumbent, with the current representative. You know, as I drive mm-hmm. around, the few people that do know who he is or, or have worked with him, they they really don't have much to say other than he's a nice guy. You know, it's okay. real, there's really no direct involvement in, in almost any industry at – I'll say the middle management and lower levels. You know, I've driven to plenty of police departments. We have a lot of small police departments in this area and try to introduce myself and, and talk mm-hmm. to them, but they've really never, never talked to the guy or have had his office reach out. So for me, it'd be something where I, I wouldn't participate in something called dialing for dollars. You know, you get to Congress mm-hmm. and I think it's no secret they spent half their time doing the job and the other half the time worrying for re-election. So mm. just not even worrying about re-election. You know, to me, I don't think that one term can be as effective, but I'm willing to do it for one term just to show that the job can be done for a short amount of time and then pass it on, you mm-hmm. know. To combat that, I will say it's asinine to me that people tell me, well, it really takes you about two years to get a hold of everything and and to really kind of learn the job, whether and whether my next statement is naive or not. I think it's absolutely ridiculous that a job that pays one hundred and seventy four thousand dollars a year gives you a two year buffer to learn the job. You know what I mean? There are plenty of jobs within the country that don't pay anywhere near that. And Mm -hmm. regardless of their, their position or what they do, they, they don't have a two year term to figure that out, you know, to figure out their lives. I know guys on rigs, you know, you can be a green hat, you can be wherever you better learn that job pretty freaking quick, you know? So that is the, is the other side where I I keep hearing it, but it's only from political people that tell me, well, you know, it's kind of naive what you're saying, because it's going to take you about two years to make friends and to, to grease the wheels and to learn how to do everything. And and then after that, your second term, you start to get your stride and you start to get put on committees and all that stuff. And if that's mm-hmm. true, if that is the way that it works, we all know that it shouldn't be the way it works. You know, it's, no, it's freaking crazy. It's just this, uh, bureaucratic behemoth that you're talking about to me it almost seems like something that is is said so often and publicly to make people like us who are voting for them to think yeah that's the norm and that's the truth it's just all bullshit right so give me that buffer like i can't think of a job where you know they're like okay you got two years to learn this and then you know like normally it's like hey bro yeah depending on the job you got a couple weeks to really get the ropes if it's super technical or whatever but after that it's like you need to get out of here if you haven't picked it up by now, you know? So, and and I get it, you know, political office is is definitely a lot more complex than, than certain jobs for sure. But um, it just seems like an excuse to, to keep the ball rolling and and stay there. Um, Yeah. It's definitely like what you said, like you, Mm -hmm. I do like your, the statement you said about, you don't care if, you know, it's just one term. Um, 
are you trying to like set an example, so to speak, like lead from the front that this is, this is how it could be that we can still get things done. I can get out and take some, let somebody else have a shot at doing this that represents all of us, that kind of thing. Yeah. That that's kind of the, the approach that I'm taking here where it's more so of instead of spending 18 months governing and the last six months mm-hmm. worrying about reelection, I mean, what can you get yeah. accomplished with, if you use the entirety of the 24 months, you know, maybe a lot, mm-hmm. maybe a little, but I, I just, I want to, I want to bracket this thing. You know, we're, we're so far where people are doing 30 freaking years. What if it's possible mm-hmm. just to show people that you can hold the whole thing is about power. So if you can mm-hmm. show humanity and show our fellow countrymen that you can hold on to power for a short amount of time and pass it, I think that's a lot mm-hmm. bigger of a statement, a lot more powerful statement than worrying about how much of an impact you as an individual can have. You know, and I do have people right. all the time that come up to me. People are going to come or you know email me and, and bash this, saying this guy's naive, he doesn't know what he's talking about. They're missing the bigger picture. Where right now we're experiencing the politicians are unable to literally let go of power. You know, they, they have to mm-hmm. hold on to it. They have to diamond hands this thing. You know what I mean? They're trying mm-hmm. to clutch right. onto it as much as possible. And, and they don't have that simple ability to ask themselves, hey, I wonder if within my district, wherever they are in their country, there's somebody that can do the job better than me, you know, mm-hmm. or, or somebody who's got a different idea or somebody's got better ideas. And I think that's missing mm-hmm. from humanity in general, where we can't look to our neighbors and think, man, like, shit, hey, if you can do it better than me, go go on ahead. I gave it my all. I did the job for X amount mm-hmm. of years. This is everything that mm-hmm. I had. You know, hell, go go on and take it farther. You know what I mean? Yeah. Is, uh, is this something that you look at where when you're talking about term limits before, do you feel like there's benefit and maybe doing like, capping it at like two consecutive terms. So just to give somebody the benefit of having the continuity that's yeah. in place with leadership. Right. And then maybe like capping it there or like, how do you view that? So the exact term limits, I'd probably go anywhere between six to eight years for term limits myself. You know, if I had mm-hmm. a magic wand to be able to wave it, I think that that would give sufficient time for whoever's trying to get something accomplished. I mean, six years is a long time, man. Six years is a long time. You should, you know, you go yeah. through a regime change, you know, you go through a, a, a presidential um, election during that, during that point in time, and you should be able to accomplish something. And if you can't, then the problems within Congress are a lot deeper than mm-hmm. are led on, you know, actually, I shouldn't yeah. even say that. I think the problems are as, as bad as we think that they are. So Probably to answer your question. Yeah, man, anywhere six to eight years. I think that gives one human being enough time to come up with some ideas, express them, learn and push forward versus your shelf life on on being creative and on being effective and on being uncorruptible, you know, starts Mm -hmm. to expire after a few years. There's there's just no way that a person can remain true to themselves and true to their constituents and ultimately true to the country mm-hmm. when staying in an environment like that, you know what I mean? For, for that yeah. long. And, and that's, that's not even a secret. It's not even a secret. We see mm-hmm. it. We see it. People are there 10, 12 years, millionaires, man, absolute millionaires. Dude, and it's just it's crazy. We're just letting it happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've always wondered, and maybe I don't know if you've seen this or anybody's like explained it to you, 
But when you take over for somebody, um, political office, like what you're hoping to do, what is the changeover like as far as like handing you the keys to things? You know, is there, is it some sort of productive process or is it like a cold shoulder? Like I'll be out of here in a week and you can, you can bring your shit in kind of thing. You know what I mean? So this is uh, complete speculation and I got to be honest about that. Mm -hmm. I don't okay. know what the process is. I'm assuming mm -hmm. that if you beat an incumbent or you beat the person that there mm -hmm. that's there is a uh, it's a cold shoulder situation, which I did a mm -hmm. video early on. I knew that it wasn't going to work, but I figured I'd do it anyway, mm -hmm. where I talk about the transition of power and I call a, mm -hmm. I call out the incumbent and I say, hey, you and I have the opportunity to start the incremental change that we're looking for, you know, within our electric or elections. If you were to say to yourself, okay, I've done enough. It's time to choose a successor. Put your power behind me, put your knowledge behind me and actually do a transition of power, a proper transition of power. Then I can mm -hmm. be a much more effective uh, representative and you will have left your mark by starting something that we need as a country, you know? Mm -hmm. um, so that's kind of my philosophy behind of it. Might be a little naive. There's going to be people that watch this and think that's, that's absolutely insane. But what we have worked for a while, but it's starting mm -hmm. to show that greed takes over. It's starting to show that man, I mean, I don't know where your religious spectrum is, but if we're sinners, right, it's, mm -hmm. it's one of those things where you can't tell me that man's sin doesn't take over in an environment like DC, you know, and they're... Yeah. They, they that excuse me that they don't succumb mm -hmm. yeah. yeah your political shelf life you know it seems to get pretty sh shorter and shorter and it's like that that quote uh absolute power corrupts absolutely right you know, and you money in your face all the time special interests people hoping you you know trying to get you to lobby for stuff i do i feel like just all of us as people are are infallible and to pretend like we're not, you know, obviously there's people that are going to resist that and maybe they can walk away from it, so to speak. Um, but I, it becomes harder and harder. I feel like the more that that's thrown in your face to, to not fall in line, it's almost like a fail safe too. what you're proposing. It's not even like um, just a, a genuine thing to say, I'm going to step down now that my time is, is over. It's, I think it's almost acknowledging the inevitable that their corruption will enter that space, the longer you're there, the longer a collective of people are there. And it's, it's almost like a, um, a human, like I said, a human, like fail safe, like, okay, well now we need to get people out of there so that, you know, this doesn't transpire. You know, you know, start getting these political zombies that are running for money and all this stuff all the time. And yeah. it's kind of how I view it, what you said, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. I don't think our framers realized that we were going to have technologies later on that were going to allow people to be president at 70, whatever Biden is all that old. So yeah. Um, mm. Yeah, man, absolutely. Yeah. It is, is a fail safe. I like the way you, you said that. I, I am reminded of a quote. I, I like to give proper credit. I don't know who the hell said this or where I heard this, but it mm -hmm. said, I'm sure they all went to Washington with good intentions. And that's true. Mm. You know, I, I don't think that people, just run just to be evil and that they want to go be a part of Congress to be an evil human being. They probably all did, or most of them did go to Congress, did go to Washington with good intentions, but mm -hmm. there are forces that, that tear that down. You know, that's, uh, that's at least that's my yeah. belief. No, I agree with you. It's like best laid plans, right? That, that phrase. Yeah. Um, I think our, the system, I mean, this is, 
this is uh, nothing shocking, right? But people, people know it's broken there and Mm -hmm. it's going to take a lot of people with your mindset, I think to, to get fed up and go in there and try to change house. I don't know how that's going to going to happen. It seems like a very long arduous process, especially with everything going on. But what are some things that like you specifically champion to or trying to champion in hopes of bringing change about or or policy wise? Uh, policy wise, like I said, I focus on on that the lateral legislation. Um, if maybe you saw mm-hmm. my video where it's doing pretty good on TikTok, the mm-hmm. Money Where Your Mouth Is Act. You know, for those of you who haven't seen it, right. it's just a piece of legislation that would require every member of the house and the Senate to spend 20 hours throughout their term embedded with border patrol at the Southern di- or at the Southern border and the Northern border and embedded with law mm-hmm. enforcement agencies within their district. Now that would start with just those two things, but it would expand mm-hmm. into other areas like teaching and, you know, uh, first different first responders simply s- to make sure that these representatives stay in touch with their, with their district and stay in touch with the mm-hmm. things that they make laws on, you know, especially when it comes mm-hmm. to law enforcement or the way they mm-hmm. open their mouths and run their mouths on separate issues every, everywhere from teaching, uh, healthcare, uh, all kinds of stuff. I just think that it would give them a better, a better perspective and it would force them to keep their eye on the ball and why they're actually there. Like I said, there's mm-hmm. no rule on how long they can stay and there are no term limits. So why isn't there a rule that keeps them grounded? Why isn't there a law that keeps them grounded? That's punishable by either a penalty or some sort of report card, you know, where every election mm-hmm. or every year they're graded on, hey, this person only did five of his 20 hours with, you know, mm-hmm. uh, teachers. And he only did seven yeah. of his 20 hours with local law enforcement within their district. So right. that way they're right. answerable to the people whenever they do go and look them in the eye and say, hey, I've been doing a really good job. I'm still one of you. I still want to keep working for you. Now you get to pull that up and that record up and say, well. You haven't had time to do this. You haven't had time to stick around. You haven't had time to visit us. You haven't had time to do all these things, yet you mm-hmm. still claim to be one of us. And that's where the phrase, not one of them, comes from. Um, there's mm-hmm. there's us, you know, the people that experience the dynamic changes that happen within our own districts as they happen. And then there's them. I don't necessarily know that it's 100% their fault because the job does require you to go to Washington and spend a lot of time there. But that should be something mm-hmm. that they're able to recognize within themselves and say, damn, I've been gone a lot. How much do I mm-hmm. actually freaking know about my district? Yeah. You know what's going on? Yeah. And secondhand stuff is it only gets you so far. You know, you can have representatives, yeah. you can have staff. But if you're not there to witness it, then like you said, your political shelf life just it ends up expiring. Mm hmm. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're, you know, we're both veterans here, right? How many times yeah. do you sit there as as an E4 complain about like, it was the last time I saw my leadership, you know what I mean? Yeah. And whether you want them out there on post or whatever, checking on you or not, it's still it's that conversation about how visible are they? I mean, I know that I've had tons of conversations about, either, you know, with with certain senior leaders, like, you know, your airmen don't even know what you look like, you don't even know who you are. You know, you need to build some credibility by coming out here and, and talking to them and, and coming out on post. Like, I get it. You know, you're you're busy, but, you know, you need to do this. And so there's there's a precedent for that, even and an expectation from people who are being led. Um, and that expectation is on those people who are leading them. Right. And um, so this is it's it's not un, unusual to, to say that. And I know that you brought up the fact about like going to 
you know, the Southern border and spending time, or, you know, if you're, maybe your department of Homeland security, that could be something that you have to do. But Zach and I talk about pretty often is it, it should there be an obligation to have military service to hold political office? We, he and I have different um, thoughts on that. I don't think it should be a necessity. Um, but I say this, I think that there should be a separate process. I think that, that it could be an option um, to have military service to quantify you know, that experience uh, at the beginning. But there should be something else as far as like a civil service where you can go and maybe you are working, you know, at, at, at the border or maybe you're, you're working somewhere locally to, you know, give people as they enter adulthood an understanding of com- community and helping people out and using that as a baseline. So to say, you know, I think that that's something that should happen personally. Uh, but what you were talking about by having our politicians go and, and do that, like, you made me think of exactly like what's going on with uh, Alejandro Mayorkas right now. I think you probably know what I'm talking about. He's he's getting impeached. And I, I think the impeachment thing is a little weird. I think, um, you know, firing him is probably better than the impeachment process. But it's so weird that the issues at the border, like you're talking about, are are bipartisan. They shouldn't be, or they are partisan. This should be an American issue, not something that we all are, are split on and presenting it as as a political political thing. Um, and you know, you have people like him who, to me, that I know that they don't spend any time at the border. He should spend 30 days down there with border patrol, you know, sitting sitting there, moving you know, whatever, board, you know, the um, barbed wire from the river mm-hmm. riverbanks or, or whatever, doing all that stuff. You know, if you're going to tell me what to do, you're going to make policy that, you know, I know that these federal border patrol agents are not fans of, right? And tell me what to do. You should be down here in the shit with me, you know, excuse my French. Um, yeah, can we to, to, if you're going to tell me what to do, you know what I mean? Like you 100% can. The only reason I was like trying to hold it back is because I don't like, you know, I know you're, yeah. you're running. So, but you go right ahead if you're okay yeah. with it. Yeah. The F-bombs are cool. All right. Um, like I just one or two might come out. Um, yeah. You're good. Your question. Did you mm-hmm. have a question for me or? Oh, no. Well, I was just kind of speaking in general. Like I was agreeing with you that, um, you know, I think it's, it should be 100% mandatory for you to go and spend time working with people at the lowest level doing things. The border is a great example. You know, if you're Department of Transportation, maybe you head out over to the light rail and you're out there every morning with this dude that opens up the light rail at four o'clock in the morning and you're standing there, you know, that kind of thing. It just brings an element of reality to your position that you're yeah. not just existing in the ivory tower, so to speak. People wake up every day working for you and do this freaking job. Everything in the state of California is run like pretty much by the state, you know, right. federally, yeah. you know. So it's a good example of that. that this this bureaucratic nonsense that happens here, it, it's not being done very well. So, you know, um, I like that. That's one of the things you say you want to champion. I don't really have a question about it. I just I, I very much agree with you. Um, the one question I would have is how much what happens at the border affects your district. Well, I'll answer your question, and then I have some stuff to say about what you said earlier, or what you you know, please, what you just touched on. Our Go district's about two and a half hours away from the border, right? So, the direct effect that it has on this district is we're we're a pass through. You know what I mean? We're a pass through mm-hmm. not only for migrants, we're a pass through for drugs, mm-hmm. we're a pass through for mm-hmm. so many different things that 
aid the issues at the southern border. And I would caution people to, to, and I know this is not what you meant by that, but I would caution people to think about this in geography terms. It's not about how close mm-hmm. or how far you are from the border, which is one of the reasons I think that something like the Money Where Your Mouth Is Act would be very beneficial mm-hmm. for the country because the Republicans mm-hmm. right now in the House are having a tough time getting the Democrats to, I think HR 2's already been passed and you know it's sitting mm-hmm. within the Senate uh, that's democratically controlled. Correct. Yeah. So mm-hmm. it's one of those things where if you can grab somebody, not literally, but if you can grab somebody yeah, yeah. and force them to look at the issues, I got to be careful with that mm-hmm. because owning a company like Redefined Violence, people might get the wrong idea. But if you can grab somebody <laughs> and force them to look at to what's share. actually going on, then mm-hmm. I think that at worst case, it puts them in the position right, to go back mm-hmm and look at their constituents and lie to them and say that there's no mm-hmm. issue at the border. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's, it just so happened to line up that that's the topic of this election cycle. You know, if that wasn't it, who knows what would have been the topic of this election cycle, but right now that's the topic. So mm-hmm. why this isn't being championed or why this isn't being repeated or why this isn't being accepted is, uh, is, is crazy. You know, why no one has come up mm-hmm. with this idea to say, Hey, you know what? Why don't we force ourselves to go down there and and see what really goes on? You know, in that video I mentioned, uh, they only come down here for a flyby photo op, right? And mm-hmm. I'm glad that the Republicans went down there the other day. There were 60 of them that headed down there. That was great. You can mm-hmm. all afford hotels. Some of you have already mm-hmm. worn play carriers in your life and your careers. Stick around. Mm-hmm. No press, no politics. Stick around. That would have been a great opportunity for you to look left and right at your peers that haven't had that opportunity to wear a uniform in life or a bulletproof vest in life and say, you know what, we're going to ride two men with these agents tonight. We're going to go out in the Mm -hmm. brush. We're going to, we're going to do that and then report back to the American people. And that gives you so much more credibility as a representative. So Mm -hmm. man, it's just, uh, it goes along with everything that you said. You know, I think that people get into certain positions or into uh, certain statuses in their life and they think that they're above uh, others. Or mm-hmm. if not that, then they just don't realize how important it is for them to go back and revisit the ranks that they came up with. This this kind of rhetoric and topics that I'm t- touching on, it's not original. It comes from my time in the military. I don't know how you are mm-hmm. Air Force, right? When the Marines, every two mm-hmm. years with an infantry unit, almost every two years, uh, we'd have a change of change of command ceremony where one man would look mm-hmm. at each other, would look at another in the eye and say, Hey, this is, this is what I did with these men. This is as far as I brought them. Hopefully mm-hmm. you can do more and hopefully you can do better. That's the essence of a change of command ceremony. There's going to be some sergeant mm-hmm. majors out there. So that's not what it is, but that's pretty much what it is. Right. So that kind right. of, uh, yeah, that kind of spirit and that kind of ethos is, is missing, is missing from our government mm-hmm. where you say, this is as far as I got to go. I believe mm-hmm. there has to be somebody out there that can do more mm-hmm. or better. And maybe there isn't, maybe that next guy falls flat on his face, but if he falls, then the one after that can do more, you know, or only mm-hmm. do better. Um, yeah. Could you imagine? Go ahead. Go ahead. I was say, just, could you imagine the sort of trust somebody would build if they kid up and went out there for a night and just rode bitch and went out into the brush? Like you said, that'd be crazy. That would make the- national news probably. Yeah, you know, and 
to to touch on the topic of having have served in the military before you run for office or before you hold an office. Mm-hmm. I don't know mm-hmm. that it's necessary, but I will say be very weary of anyone who only wants to be a public servant in a suit. I mm-hmm. really, really get yeah, upset when I hear these politicians speak because I've go to all these different events and they say, I'm pro law enforcement. I'm this, I'm that. They say their age, you know, they're in their forties or thirties or I start to do the math. Mm-hmm. I'm like, Hmm, well, we've been at war for a little while. Mm-hmm. You, don't, you didn't serve. And then I was like, okay, well maybe you mm-hmm. can serve. Then it's like, uh, okay, well you don't have any law enforcement background either. You know? Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, let's just say health or otherwise. So let's have you ever ridden in a paramedic truck, nursing? Have you ever, have you ever mm-hmm. put yourself on the line at all in any way, shape or form whatsoever? No. Mm-hmm. Oh, so you just want to do this when it's comfortable. You just want to do this in mm-hmm. a suit. You just got a wild hair exactly. up your ass one day and you wanted to be a politician. You don't actually want to serve because there's plenty of ways to serve prior to mm-hmm. becoming a politician and prior to yeah. making a profession running your mouth or by mm-hmm. just running your mouth, you know? Exactly, man. That's what I'm side. saying, dude. Any Some sort of – no, be, <laughs> you should be. I, I like seeing it because it should be some sort of public service. Like I said, if, if it's not military service, it's something else. You know, even if it's something that the government, uh, you know, puts together as a civil service or if you're an EMT or – like you're, you're, to use your example about EMT, something like that, where you're helping people and you're not necessarily getting much out of it. You know what I mean? Other yeah. than a paycheck, obviously you're going to get paid, but you're taking care of people all day. You know, as, as somebody who's done law enforcement for, you know, decade and a half in, in the air force, it's pretty thankless. I'll say that, you know, no. I don't not, don't do it for, for the thanks and all that other shit. I'm just saying, you get put into these positions where you see people at their worst days, you deal with a lot, you know, you understand just the grind a little bit more than than the people maybe who haven't done anything like that. Um, so I do, I think it just adds an element of, of um, legitimacy to what you're trying to do if you're willing to step, step up and help people and do those sorts of, you know, service sorts of things. Um, for your community, it says a lot more about you than showing up in a suit and being like, Hey, I'll, I'll just do this. I have all this um, money but, now. I'd really like to be a public servant, you know? Yeah, if, if you don't mind, if you don't um, mind, I'd yeah. like to continue making money. Uh, and, uh, <laughs> <laughs> special interest lineup right here Yeah, by putting uh, myself in a position you know, that'll serve the companies that I own. Yeah. Exactly. And, you know, to go back to what you were saying before, like at the border, it's crazy to me how scary or it's scary to me how much separating yourself from a situation that is as serious as the border and treating it like a political issue and then using that as the reason to prevent you from going down there and looking at it mm-hmm. by pretending it like it's some straw man that your political enemy, so to speak, is using against you. Right. That's just ridiculous. And it goes back to something that I've said before on the podcast, and you may have seen it on one of our reels, is it's it's like a cold civil war that's going on. These two political parties that really run our country, they are there just to prevent the other from winning now. It's not about you and I as the American citizen. You're not doing this to 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 help us out. To me, it seems more about like shooting the other in the foot. And that's that's what this issue at the border is, is where I'm going to make it a political issue so I don't have to give it my attention because it's just a political straw man argument that the Republicans or the Democrats are using to get leverage on me. That's kind of yeah. how I see it. Yeah, that that drives me crazy, too, you know, because it's it's a it's a house divided. You know, it really is. Mm-hmm. And 
there's something else that I, I said before. It's I don't think that we're the United States anymore. I really don't. Um, mm-hmm. I think that we are so divided and so polarized. Mm. We have allowed ourselves to become that. And I'll say the media because mm-hmm. I can't think of a better phrase for it. But media yeah. has played a big part in it. You know, it used to be, at least the way I understand it, the law or mm-hmm. the, excuse me, the newsman would say, hey, everybody, look at the news that's behind me. This is all the news we've gathered. Right. Now yeah. they stand in front of the news and they say, hey, don't look at what's behind me. Look at me. Look at me. I'll mm-hmm. tell you, you just need to trust me. Trust me. Exactly. I'll let you every I'll let you know everything you need to know about what's behind me. And we almost never get a uh, a full picture of everything that's going on on almost any issue. Mm-hmm. So I think that's played a big part. And I don't think that we're sending people up there that want to work with the other party. Now, you say that as a Republican, Agreed. this might hurt me in the primary. I don't know. But mm-hmm. it's almost as if they want to choose the person that's farthest on their side, you know, mm-hmm. and it's not that I don't embody those values. It's not that I don't uh, consider myself a strong Republican and, and want to fight and champion for those values. Mm-hmm. But in, but if you're going to look for somebody who only wants to put the other party down and never to open the door and never to have that conversation, at least have the conversation, right? Saying that's mm-hmm. like shooting yourself in the foot or like, you know what? Yeah, I'm willing mm-hmm. to sit down and have a conversation. I'm not saying that I'm going to concede anything. I'm not saying that I'm going to give them what they want, but I'd like to talk to them because at the end of the day, they are my countrymen, except for like the crazy mm-hmm. wacky ones that want to do weird shit. But yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 That's a whole separate conversation. That's a whole separate conversation. Sure. Those I don't want to talk to you at all. <laughs> no, it, it's it's scary. There's a lot of a lot of those where I live. I live in between um, two of the bigger cities in California, San Francisco and Sacramento. So it's, I was talking about this um, on our last episode. We talked to, to Aaron Love about how you talk to people. And if you introduce yourself as somebody who's moderate and you try to say like, look, I'm not a Republican, I'm not a Democrat. I am, I am pro American and whoever is going to you know, help out the United States. I don't care if there's a D next to your name. I don't care if there's an R next to your name. It doesn't matter to me. Wherever right comes from, that's where I'm going, you know? Right. But there's so many people out there now who are almost mad at you for not taking a position or drawing that line in the sand and stepping it one way or the other. Yeah. And it speaks to what you're saying, that the the climate here has become so enriched with that, bi- that partisanship that it, it almost becomes too difficult to be that moderate. Um, so like what kind of keeps you focused on saying America is my focus and not just what the political parties are hoping that I you know will do for them or whatever? Well, I don't think that the parties, to be honest, are that far apart. Okay. In the sense that they were never designed to be that far apart. You know, the political parties have mm-hmm. shifted and their ideas have shifted over time and over generations. I think that there's there are factions and in, in each party that are pulling it and that are very vocal and that are very um, chaotic with the way they try to get their point across, you know? So mm-hmm. those, those are the people that I, I wish we would stop paying attention to, you know, because mm-hmm. if we just let them shout out their crazy and just yell, I think eventually America will realize that, Oh, you're not, you're not really a Democrat. You're not really a Republican. You're just, you're just crazy. 
You know, you're just mm-hmm. trying to make it about yourself and, and about your own individual issues. So for me, I mean, it's just having an open conversation, you know, and an open heart and an open mind. I don't look at anybody on the other side as my enemy, you know, unless you're a pedo, you know, and then I'll want to kill you, you know, Valid. but yeah, 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 yeah but, but they just happen <laughs> to be on the other side. But, um, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I don't, I don't approach any situation like that. You know, I think it comes from mm-hmm. the things that we do and the things that we train in and the things that we experience and we want to continue to experience. Um, that's where redefined violence comes in. You know, it's the whole mantra mm-hmm. of that is peaceful yet capable and um, taking mm-hmm. something, taking the knowledge that you have uh, of being able to do something and not having to or not wanting to. So um, I said all that to say, when I approach this politically, it's more about having that conversation for me. And, I, and I, I, I'm on the Republican side. I am a Republican. I think that this party holds the moral high ground in the battle. You know, if you're looking at the okay. battle strategically in the United States, I think that this is the party that can at least see us to the other side, you know, and and take mm-hmm. the country forward um, for the next generation. It's I say this is the political party that doesn't expect me to vote or think a certain way because of the color of my skin. You know, this is the political mm-hmm. party to me that thinks that freedom of speech and the right to defend yourself are both absolute. There's non-negotiables. You don't start. You cannot give an inch an inch when it comes to mm-hmm. those two topics you cannot mm-hmm. history shows us that you cannot because once yes. you do you are fucked sorry yep you know you are no. so um Zero this apologies. is the party that that i think can take us you know forward to the future um because yeah it's the other side you know while they're not my enemy they've got some some pretty some cr- pretty crazy people in that party and until mm-hmm. they uh, find a way to clean house and until they find a way, the moderates there find a way to expunge all of the nonsense and all of the hate and all of the the race bait. I can't say bullshit. I can't say bullshit. Yeah. The you race can, bait bullshit. Want, all right. The race bait bullshit mm-hmm. that's on their side, then the Democratic Party will never or will not have any credibility mm-hmm. until they do that. Until they stop pandering, mm-hmm. until they stop worrying about the amount of melanin in people's skin, they don't stand a chance. Mm-hmm. They don't stand a chance to stand or to, you know, sit side by side with more authority. You know, uh, that's mm-hmm. my biggest issue with that side is they care so much about race. They, I, I dude, mm-hmm. I get called whitewashed. I get called all kinds of nonsense, you know, like, how the fuck are you a Republican? It's ridiculous. And it's like, mm-hmm. wait a minute. That means that when you look at me, you see the color of my skin. Pretty sure there was an influential. Yeah, if you ain't black, what did he? What did he say? If right. you if yeah. you don't vote for me, you, you ain't, ain't black. You, don't vote for me, you ain't black. Yeah, Dude, that's wild. and we let this fucking idiot just say that on on television. I know. And we just mm-hmm. we're just okay with it. You know, there's been mm-hmm. no other members of the house that have just kind of brought that up constantly. And I don't know if you get Dude. muzzled. I don't know if you get uh, told like, hey, bro, it's kind of taboo. Don't talk about that kind of stuff. That should be talked about mm-hmm. all the time, especially going into this yeah. presidential election where it's pretty important. I'm actually very scared of what they I don't know who they is, Joe Rogan, because I know he hates they. You know what I mean? I don't know who yeah. they is, but they right, are right, right. somebody, you know, and I don't know what they it are is. going to allow to happen or they are not going to allow to happen. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. The fact that that dumb motherfucker said that, you know, it, yep. is beyond me and people just are okay with it. 
They're okay with right. our president having said, if you ain't black, you or if you don't vote for me, then you ain't black. Well, they come out with all the excuses in the world when he said it. He's like, oh, he's old. He's you know, got dementia. He's, he's, he's out. a different generation. 100% he does. He's got dementia. That, well, I mean, it seems – I'm just going to ask you this question. You know, you tell me what I you think. Like, because I'm cursing what, so much. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, don't be sorry, dude. Not at all, man. We – if you watch other shit, like this is this is yeah. pretty PG. And um, but no, I'm just curious. Like we were just talking about this with Aaron. We've talked about it with a, a couple other people. Is do you really think that the Democratic Party is going to prop him up again for another another term? Because to me, it just seems like there's no fucking way unless this dude is just like drinking adrenochrome right from the fucking source or something. You know what I mean? Like and getting pumped full of fucking drugs and steroids. Like it just. We were we were talking about the possibility of a uh, you know like a Michelle Obama ticket, like them trying to like swoop in, parachute in, right, and say, hey, this is what we're going to do now, and use that momentum to to try and do that. Do you, do you see them propping him up again? I don't know. I hope not. You know, I mm-hmm. I want to meet more liberals in my life. I'm in Texas. I'm mm-hmm. in South Texas, so they're not mm-hmm. there aren't that many. I'm sure I'll get some emails after this. Right. I'll, I'll meet you, you know, Good because Austin. I want to get into the mind. I want to sit down. Like I said, I just want to sit down and have a conversation. What in the is back to the uh, the bus analogy. Do you mm-hmm. hate Trump's tweets and kind of nonsense things that he says sometimes off the wall? Do you hate that that much that you're willing to pay mm-hmm. an astronomical amount of money, you know, at the grocery store that you're willing to jeopardize our security you're willing to put basically put your family at risk in so many different ways because of some Mm -hmm. some things that this guy says you know like that's that's insane to me yeah you know it's really absolutely insane to me i'm not listen i support trump i do just to answer all the Mm -hmm. questions right now because that's the main thing i get on tiktok (laughs) do you support trump and just for everyone's essay situation awareness Mm -hmm. the comment section on any video, it's not the place to have a, an actual debate. If you want to have a conversation like this, you can email me. We'll do a podcast together. We'll do whatever you want. Email me. I will answer questions. I can show you screenshots of where, I have, where I've answered questions. I've called people who do answer. Mm-hmm. Yes, I respond to a lot of the positive compliments because it's a quick thank you. But if you're asking me about topics and all this kind of stuff, email me. I will do, I set aside mm-hmm. most Sundays, what's today, Sunday, to do stuff like this, mm-hmm. to answer you back. And I will mm-hmm. do it as much as possible. So just a quick little caveat That's awesome. on there. Yeah. Um, no. Yes. I support Trump over this guy. Mm-hmm. You better believe it. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Absolutely. To, to go back to what you were saying, we were just joking um, about how like people, uh, when, when Putin invaded Ukraine, they were like, I'm willing to pay a little bit more at the pump so that the Putin isn't able to win this war. And it's just like, that's just insanity to me that you would sit there and say something like that. How much can you really tell me about Ukrainian politics? How much can you tell me about what happened, you know, with Ukraine, uh, you know, when Obama was president the first time some of this shit happened? Like, you don't even know what you're talking about. Like, let's have a conversation about about all of that. So it, it's just so funny how the media is very good at getting people in. in um, what I'm looking for. They. um draw that sort of thing out of people to where they get their emotions evolved. They care so much that they go put a bumper sticker on the, on their car about Ukraine when maybe they didn't even know what the hell was going on there the day before. And it, it's just, 
it's so good at getting people hyper focused on these issues. Like you said before, look over here, don't look over there. Um, you know, it's 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 sort of scary. You have to really kind of make an effort to remove yourself from that and um try and find what's going on and pay attention. It's uh um we like to joke that if if the media is making a big deal about something, then there's something they don't want you to see. So start start looking everywhere else for like something else that's going on because whatever is making the national news right now is the distraction, so to speak. Yeah, in my, that? in my, yeah, exactly. You know, in my campaign announcement, you know, I said, mm-hmm. uh, we've, you know, it's the most disingenuous journalist to ever hold this profession, a profession that was mm-hmm. once revered and relied on to inform mm-hmm. the electorate and keep power in the hands mm-hmm. of those governed. Um, you know, I, I write all this stuff because I, I look at what the hell's been going on and whether it's poetic or not, I don't know, but I I like to fluff things, you know, and I like to write stuff out like that and think of it in terms of, Mm -hmm. of uh, how things can be, you know, and how things should be. And it's, it's a disappointment, man. You know, it's a disappointment. Mm -hmm. Thank God we have things like this. Even YouTube's a little weird, but there are outlets and people are fighting back against the system and that's all you Mm -hmm. can do. You can't ever, you can't ever like, think to yourself everything that i'm hearing is the truth right Mm -hmm. or everything that's being told to me is the truth the problem Mm -hmm. i think and this is just opinion comes when it takes effort it takes effort for you Mm -hmm. to go and do your own homework you know because you got to drive to work you got to drive home you got kids you got school you got jujitsu you got whatever it is that you got to go do um Mm -hmm. and there's almost there's almost no time and i feel speculation I feel like that's what's relied upon by they to uh, to keep us in yes. a place that's that keeps us in the dark, you know. Um, and it's all you can do is just encourage other people, you know. I, I hate I hate to to be a preacher, you know, and say, hey, this is what you should do, this is what you shouldn't. But if we don't start, something's going to happen, you know, and we are going to be mm-hmm. overtaken, uh, especially voting wise. Man, voting, like I said, mm-hmm. I have had political apathy my entire life i never thought that it mattered i never cared i never gave a crap but Mm -hmm. it matters so much it matters so much so much more than you understand when when metrics start to get read and registered voters the number of registered voters start to come up and you realize like holy crap this is all just mathematical evidence that things can change if only the number would get to here you know, but then it stays mm-hmm. here. And once it stays here, the guys that are that are running the status quo oh, say, oh, thank God. Thank God it didn't get to here. Mm-hmm. You know, because mm-hmm. once it gets to here, now we no longer control the narrative. Now we don't know. Now it's a crapshoot on who's going to get elected. So mm-hmm. to everybody in the, you know, whatever, just districts worldwide, go out and register to vote. I mean, for anybody that mm-hmm. listens to this, it's way more important than you think. And I, and I know that you think that it doesn't matter but it really fucking mm-hmm. does, you know? Yeah. yeah there's I, definitely oh, a lot of that. No, I was going to say, there's definitely a lot of that apathy in uh, the younger generations, the like 18 to 22 crowd. Cause I, I try to have some of these conversations with some of the airmen that I've worked with about what do you think is important? Do you vote? Do you think voting matters? And the majority of them say, no, they don't think it matters. And I try to explain, it's like, yeah, it, it does. You should go vote. You should go, it's your right. You need to go exercise that right to go and vote, you know? And um, it's just kind of sad. And it goes back to what you were saying before. And I know 
I like to say that um, history doesn't always repeat itself, but history rhymes. And we were talking about um, the. I gave you the example from Rome earlier and the whole bread and circuses thing, which you're probably familiar with, nothing groundbreaking. Um, but it's all about distractions, keeping people distracted so they don't want to exercise their rights. They think that they it's pointless to go do this because that's the the sort of thing that uh, the information we're fed gets spun as, you know. And so that is, it's one of those things where it does take effort and that's why you don't do it, like you said. But if more people will be willing to insert themselves and be more proactive instead of reactive about what goes on, there might be an opportunity for us to, to write the ship, so to speak. I like that part of your message is what I'm, what I'm trying to say here. Yeah. And that's, if you're on the Republican side, you need to realize that we suck at reaching out to mm. younger voters. We just don't do it. Mm-hmm. It's just not even. Definitely. And now that I'm part of the apparatus and I'm inside of the machine, I look around, I was like, there's nobody reaching out to younger conservatives, younger Republicans, younger, younger mm-hmm. sane minded people. They're there. There's just no, there's no effort, you know? And I'm okay. Let me back up. I'm speaking in super general terms. I don't know the entirety of the country. I don't know the entirety of the Republican party in my area. Mm-hmm. You know, I like to speak on specifics. My area, I don't see it. Um, But I Mm -hmm. know that nationwide, the Democrats are really good. They're really good at making making an appeal to a younger generation. And and that's something that we don't have, you know, and it's something that we lack. And hopefully, I mean, I'm 33, you know, so hopefully, I don't know if I'm that old, Mm -hmm. but. Hopefully I can bridge the you're gap. Bit, you're, you're, you're three years younger than me. I'm 36. There you go. Yeah, hopefully yeah. I can bridge the gap a little bit and be kind of, uh, I don't want to say a voice because that sounds cheesy, but yeah, just just be a bridge, you know, <laughs> be, a, be a bridge right. uh, yeah, for, yeah. for that younger generation because they need to realize that if they don't get involved, whichever way, vote Republican, for your own good, trust me, it'll come, it'll come into play later on in life when you start to own assets and you start to uh, make some real income and you actually start to contribute mm-hmm. to society versus just leeching off of it. But um, mm-hmm. if we don't get younger people involved, we're screwed, you know? Yeah. I, I think what that you said you is totally old, valid. Right? Well, I mean, you're getting old. We're <laughs> yeah. up there. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, but I think what you said is, is totally valid that I, I've even said that before that Democrats are very good at appealing to the younger crowd, which is so smart. And there's a precedent for that when it comes to um, especially like radical type movements. Where do you go first? You radicalize the young because they're the most impressionable. They're the ones that you can feed a lot of this stuff to and they're going to take off and run with it because it gives them some sort of purpose. And that's what you're looking for at that age. You know what I mean? And so uh, I think that's why a lot of people look at like Vivek and find him to be a little bit refreshing is he doesn't have a head full of gray hair, a bunch of wrinkles and doesn't routinely buy Geritol. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so it, it, I completely agree with you that we need young representation. I've said that so many times. And, um, I always say this too, that, you know, Republicans sort of shoot themselves in the foot very routinely by being out of tune with the younger crowd that mm-hmm. that Republicans can make a lot of sense with some of the stuff that they talk about. Um, and, and there's this whole debate of, about conservative values. Is there anything left to conserve, so to speak? Right. right. That's why so many people are apathetic about this. But if, what you said is so true. If you're trying to be like that voice, the bridge, that face, whatever colloquialism you want to say, right. Cheesy yeah. or not. Um, 
need more people like you to enter that space and do this because otherwise the battle is just going to be an even more of an uphill one and, and, and be lost because we're all sick of old guys, old women, whatever yeah. being in there and um, got to stop shooting you know, yourself in the foot with not you, but like proverbially you in the foot with um, some of the stuff you're so Republicans can be so out of touch with, you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, what, uh, what would you say to somebody who is like 18 to 22 years old and is looking sort of at, at all the, the chaos and the perceived, you know, depravity that goes on in our, in our country and it seems to be celebrated. What sort of advice would you give them other than voting? Like you just said, for them to say like, you look, man, I, I want to have a family. I want to have a career. I want that American dream, but it seems dead. What would you say to that person? Well, I'd say start to learn as much about finance as humanly possible as early on in mm -hmm. your life. Because I think that's typically the driving force of what drives people towards a more conservative side as they start mm -hmm. to, to grow up. Um, and finance branches off into everything. It branches off into family. It branches off into longevity. It branches off into, you know, your retirement. And and overall, right. I don't I don't know too many well, I don't say that. I, don't, I was gonna say I don't know too many crappy people that make a lot of money. I'm sure there are many, but but it helps you understand what's needed in life. Um you you're gonna say something? No, no, no. Oh, okay. along with it that. helps you understand what's needed from you in life. Uh, in order to to mm -hmm. succeed now with that comes the way i wish we would approach education in school mm -hmm. where i don't know about you or where you grew up and stuff but i was the first time i i applied for a mortgage was 25 i bought my first house at 25 right it's the first time i'd mm -hmm. ever seen a mortgage application mm -hmm. that shouldn't have been the first time i seen a mortgage application you know uh the no first doubt. time i bought a car you know was in the military and mm -hmm. what do you get 22 percent interest rate that we all make fun of them mm -hmm. you know what i mean that's the norm nowadays <laughs> so now it's probably 30 percent for people in the military but um right, right. um they get that charger yeah i gotta get that charger man um Financial education, true financial education and financial literacy is something that's not taught. So if that's mm -hmm. something that could be focused on early on in life, I think that it would give you a better sense of what's going to be required of you later on in life when it does come to providing for yourself or starting a business or having a family. And then you're introduced mm -hmm. unwittingly to conservative values and you're introduced, um, you know, secondhand to what what really is the best thing for you going forward in life. It's almost like, uh, you're fighting indoctrination, you know, you're fighting this type of, uh, rhetoric from teachers and, and professors that have their own agendas as well, you know, and why mm -hmm. financial literacy is not taught in schools is, is crazy. You know, mm -hmm. uh, the way I would do it, if I had a magic wand, Four years of high school, every year you would start an LLC, do a mortgage application and buy five different cars, you know, every single mm -hmm. year to the point where once you're a senior in high school, you can run through a freaking mortgage app like that. You can start an mm -hmm. LLC like that. You know, um, mm -hmm. you could do a 1031 exchange where, you know, it's, it has to do with investment properties. You know about low cost index funds and their benefits over mutual funds. And, and so mm -hmm. many different things that I think would set you up properly at a younger age. And mm -hmm. then to benefit the Republican Party, I think that unwittingly sets you up for a proper way of viewing the world, a proper way of viewing government. 
I mean, I'm no economics major at all. I don't have a college degree, by the way. It's another bombshell that'll be out there. But uh, um, just don't spend more money than you make. And I think you'll be Pretty all fair. right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, there's some nuances that go along with that. Credit is important. But mm-hmm. in general, don't make more money or don't spend more money than you make. So, yeah, yeah, yeah that, that'd be my advice to, to the younger generation, you know, is do that, man. Focus on as much as you can. I learned a lot through YouTube, YouTube University mm-hmm. and going Dude, to YouTube is great. Yeah. And, and going to Barnes and Noble and buying books on finance and rich dad, poor dad and, and, and so many mm-hmm. different things that I, I had to teach myself. Well, I'll say teach myself. I had to get interested in it myself. And then I had some, some great people around me that taught me my dad and, and, you know, other, other people around me in my life that showed me how to manage money and showed me the, what the proper things to do were. So mm-hmm. that's, that's kind of a, a complicated answer but that's what i would do that's what i would give any anybody who's young advice before voting before any of that stuff study finance and i don't mean going to harvard i don't mean going to any of that stuff if you're going great that's cool but you can study finance in many different ways and generally that'll set you up for success in life you know it's Mm -hmm. uh jim was a jim rome that said profits are better than wages understand what that means if i misquoted that you know i'll find i'll correct it profits are better than wages understand how to make implement that in your life you know how mm-hmm. understand how to make money while you're sleeping, understand all this kind of stuff, man. It's shit yeah, that you hear all the time. Rome. Yeah. Jim Rope. Yeah. So that's my advice to the young person out there is get your stuff together. When I it like comes that. To finance, financial yeah. literacy. Well, man, I know that, uh, you're a busy guy. Um, keep going for a little bit longer. If you got some more stuff, yeah. you know, that's oh, yeah. No, yeah. I was just going to ask you, you know, um, what, like for you, Somebody who is is looking, maybe this is their first time voting, right? What is something? What's a a message that is most important to you that you'd like somebody to know about why why they should vote for you and why um, there should be you know trust given put in put into you, trust put into me as a like I'm talking to my district. Um, mm-hmm. Take a look at what I'm saying when it comes to government and look at government approaches and and study my opponent's answers. You know, if mm-hmm. you don't see the ability to rein in or you don't see that person's ability to rein in their own ego in any sort mm-hmm. of way, then you know they're starting from a compromised position, just spiritually, mm-hmm. you know, spiritually and mentally. Um, they're starting from a compromised position. So it's it's amazing to me that people can't talk about giving up power. They only talk about wanting to get it, especially in an election. The topic is mm-hmm. about them getting power. Why should they get power? Why should you vote for them? So mm-hmm. make sure that whoever you're voting for, you can trust them with that power. And, and with right. that comes having them verbally talk about their ability to let it go. And I'm not just talking about their term. I'm not just talking about their seat in Congress. I'm talking about money. You know, when money's thrown at you, that way, you know, okay, I've heard this person be able to talk about not having to hold on to power. This should mean that they don't need to rely on being bought or that I can rely on him not being bought him or her Mm -hmm. Uh, only two options, by the way. But, uh, uh, yeah, Mm -hmm. you know, it's, uh, it's one of those things that, yeah, it's, uh, I would say, look at that. You know, I think it's pretty, pretty easy to see through someone's bullshit uh, yeah. nowadays. You know, 
And, and if you don't trust that person, hey, if I don't earn your vote, then that means that I didn't do enough to earn your vote. But mm-hmm. but definitely look at all of us and and judge us. That's what we're doing. We're offering ourselves up for judgment. As messed up mm-hmm. as it sounds, that's what it is. So mm-hmm. I had to get over a lot of shyness. I had to get over a lot of you know insecurities and a lot of stuff to even put myself out there. But ultimately, I had the power to do it, and that power was given to me. I, I believe that it was divine. I believe that it was mm-hmm. God. I believe that I had some help in doing this because I'm, I'm not the kind of person. I had no social media presence but at all before besides Redefine Violence, and that was one of the reasons mm-hmm. I didn't put my face on the company. But mm-hmm. because of that kind of stuff, yeah. but I was able to overcome all that because I think that this is more important than my, my insecurities or my, the harsh critique that I am on myself. So, mm-hmm. yeah, that's kind of segues perfectly into what I was going to ask you is your faith must play a pretty big hand in, in what you're doing every day. Yeah, it does. My relationship with God um, is, let's see, I grew up Catholic and Mm-hmm. This will sound cheesy, but you know, after going to wherever we went to in the world and doing the things that we did, and 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 having survived some of the things that we survived, and and stuff like that, mm-hmm. you, man, you kind of part ways with God sometimes, you know. And I'm not speaking for every veteran out there. I'm not even saying that that's the general sure norm, you know. But uh, mm-hmm. yeah, that's kind of what happened to me, you know. Parted ways and and started to ask myself, well, why, you know, why did why did this happen this way, or why didn't this happen this way, and then. And real quickly, you realize like, hey, these are the wrong questions that I need to be asking. You know, I shouldn't right. even be asking any questions at all. I should be super thankful for what I have. And and every day of my life is now a requirement to live to the fullest because of those guys and because of everything that we left behind and and uh, mm-hmm. the, the people that we lost, you know. So, so that's my relationship right. with God. I like to explain it as if you go bowling and you put up the bumpers on the lanes, right? Mm-hmm. I now am at a point in my life where I can look back and see God's hand, you know, guiding me down and keeping me out the of the bumpers. Gutters. Yeah, the bumpers. Right. Sometimes, literally. So, mm-hmm. you know, I can um, <laughs> I, I can see that, you know, and I, I can see that. It, and there's no denying it for me. It's uh, I, I can't even I can't even imagine not contributing what I have, which is way too much already, you know, um, mm-hmm. to anything else. But, but that there's no, there's no happenstance. There's no chance. There's no luck. You know, I think that, mm-hmm. that that's what it is. So yeah, that's, that's where I stand on the religious side. You know, my relationship with God's between me and him and I don't have a specific denomination. You know, I get asked, especially in the conservative world, or are you a Christian? Mm-hmm. I was like, well, no, right. I, but I, don't, I don't have the specific guidelines of being a Christian, but I tell you what, Mm-hmm. Me and God are pretty close, you know. Right. And I think that's what's most what, important. What, right. I, I I mean, I do definitely believe in having some sort of faith and, and belief in something spiritual. I think that plays a lot. And when I think you delve into yourself and start like thinking about looking back, like you said, at the bumpers that you know kept you on that line and, and why we're getting older, these are questions I think that we all start asking ourselves too the more we get older, right? Yeah. Um, but if you're if you're looking inside and trying to make changes in your life, you know, you may look towards like philosophy, maybe like stoicism, something like that, or something spiritual. I think that those whether you're looking at it through the filter, the lens of philosophy or spiritualism or whatever, trying to get this 
esoteric understanding of things. You're all we're all having the same conversation. It's spiritual regardless. I think we're more than just, you know, flesh and blood. We're not, you know, just you know, stardust like everybody says. You know, I think yeah. there's there's more to us. I believe in the concept of the soul. I think that that's very real. Um, but uh yeah, I do think that having something that we talk about here too is is being, you know, mentally prepared, spiritually prepared, physically prepared. And um, Zach and I like to use the term that like, those are the fronts that we have as human beings, the, the physical, the mental, the spiritual fronts. And we like to say to fortify all fronts and that spiritual pillar of that is, is a huge place. And not just being a person, you know, especially be, I feel like it's a big part of being a man and who I, how I view myself as a man um, and like leading my family. Um, but I think it's just part of who you are as a, as a complete person. Um, Definitely. But I was kind of curious. So, yeah. Yeah. Hit you there. Um, I, you know, just curious, like a lot, all of us are vets. We always say like, there's something in the military that I learned that, you know, I've taken and, and co-opted into like my civilian life. And it's, it's kind of helped me understand things or, or whatever. Is there something that like you learn in the military that is still true to this day that you maybe carry with you in your sort of your, your political approach or how you introduce yourself to people, that kind of thing? Yeah. Uh, I'd have to say love for strangers, you know, love for strangers and, oh, we're good at that. and and the ability to, whether it was winning hearts and minds or, or, or mm. literally just loving the new guy that showed up to your unit, you know, out of, out of force, you know, F and G F and G. Yeah. It's, uh, mm-hmm. it really gives you a, a different perspective when you approach human beings, you know, and I, I'll say that that was, I'm going to say the first time I was introduced to race issues, but it makes you realize that race is bullshit, that race yes. is nonsense. It makes you realize when you, you've you got somebody's bleeding who's black, you know, and then you see mm-hmm. that his blood is red. you got somebody bleeding mm-hmm. who's, white, who's white, you know, and, and their blood is red. And Hispanic and their blood yes. is red. And Asian, their blood is red. Man, that's mm-hmm. where that's where race for me just went out the freaking window. It's funny. It's amazing when com- comedians use it the right way, you yeah. know, that's, yeah. it's, it's hilarious, but mm-hmm. when it comes to politics and, and looking at people in a different way, man, that's yeah. it's just so far removed from my spectrum. When, and I hate, I, I literally do hate yes. that it's it, where some people are told, well, you should think this way. You should stand over there. You should, uh, because of this, because you are this color, because you grew up this way. I look at the American flag. And I think of, uh, oh, this is a perfect example. Do you remember the little eight ball? Like, uh, you know, what am I going to get for you lunch? shake it up? And, yeah, and it would the show fortune. you. Like, yeah, yep, yeah, yeah, fortune. That's what I mm-hmm. see when I see the American flag. What, what mm-hmm. kind of race is it going to be? And then it just shows up and you're like, oh, shit. It's Asian. I like that. Uh, oh, cool. It's yeah. black. Oh, you Filipino. have no idea. Yeah, Filipino or whatever, you know, yeah. because that's what the American flag represents to me specifically. Yes. Right. Um, it's the, I don't want to say the only country in the world. There's countries in the world that allow different types of culture, but it's the one country Mm -hmm. in the world where so many different cultures can exist at the same time. And you can still be loyal to the nation. You know, yes, Mm -hmm. my personal dream car is a 1996 Chevrolet Impala on IROC rims. That is true. (laughs) However, I also love my country very much and I'm an American and I do not allow myself to be called a Mexican American. Because I've never paid mm-hmm. Mexican taxes. I've never worn the Mexican right. flag on my uniform. 
And those people mm. don't like us either. You know what I mean? So it's right. uh, you, you're kind of sometimes stuck in the middle and, and you're kind of screwed on both ends. And I, but mm-hmm. I, personally, I don't allow it. You know, I give one chance, one correction opportunity, and you usually don't have to give the second one because um, mm-hmm. I'm an American. That's it. That's the only way to yeah. look at me. That's the only way I allow myself to be looked at. And it, that baffles people sometimes too. And I'll get hate on the internet for it. I, I don't, I don't really care, you know? Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, the, as far as the stuff in the military, to answer your question, that's what it taught me, man. Race mm-hmm. means nothing. Race means nothing. This country Absolutely. is made up of everything and anything. And it's made up of some of the most amazing people. And there's going to be people on the other side that say, well, that's why more people should come and all this other stuff. And it's like, look, we have taken the border and we've had, we've allowed it to become a symbol of oppression and a symbol of racism, but it's a symbol of mm-hmm. sovereignty. It's a call to the rest. All the border is, all the border structure is, it's a notice to the rest of the world that we're never to be invaded. We're never to be influenced mm-hmm. and we're never to be harmed mm-hmm. by an outside power. That is all mm-hmm. the border is. But Mm-hmm. You know, the other side, the extreme people on the other side, they've allowed it to to turn into or they have turned it into this this race issue when it it's not that at all. You know, and no. the sooner people realize that that trying to screen people that are coming into this country is for your security, trying to create yeah. a pipeline for people to come here legally and people to enjoy what this country has to offer legally benefits those people and it shuts down um some of the organizations that are down there on the other side of the border like the cartel and the coyotes and all that other stuff um it's it's almost as if it's intentional i gotta be honest with you Mm -hmm. you know we've had some republican controlled houses and senates and you know it's almost as if it's intentional so um Mm-hmm. I don't know if you guys do tinfoil hat what? stuff here or not, but we'll, we won't do that now. Oh yeah, all the, <laughs> I mean, we yeah, dude. I mean, uh, we, we if you want to come on another time, we can yeah, do a lot more I'm not tinfoil for office. Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I was gonna say that. Uh, you know, it's funny. We were talking about um this topic, the border, with Vince Vargas, and we had him yeah. talking about his new book, Borderline. And um, one of the things he said that I, actually surprised me was that Obama had some of the most strict policies on, on the border. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I spent some time looking that up. And it's just so funny because it's I mean, the first off, it's true. Mm-hmm. You look at um, some of the protests that went on now about, you know, about the border back then, about how they're saying he's he was too stringent, all this stuff. It's just so quickly how the Overton window moves. Um, but to go back to the racing you said like the military i'm sure you've seen those memes of like it's like a a really nerdy looking white dude with like maybe like a black eye it's got like a cowboy hat on and like some chick and then like uh, just whatever amalgamation of people and said this is this is friends in the military it's like that is that is the 100 percent god's honest truth that that is friends in the military yeah and none of us care and I'll even I'll even go so far as to say that the ones in the military you meet who do care about race, they're almost the outsiders. People are like, dude, fuck off with that. Oh, shit. yeah. They you get know? shut down super quick. Yes. Yeah. And it's 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 annoying, you know, and that's to go back to the earlier part of the conversation is is the race thing in the military is why it bugs the shit out of me that now we're almost seemingly going back and going backwards with with everything when it comes to, to to race and it almost seems like separate but equal is now the desired outcome whereas during the civil rights movement 
you know, Jim Crow law, separate but equal, wasn't something we were attaining to, something we were trying to get rid of. You know, want to integrate, not be separate but equal. And you know, and so it's just like when you know it doesn't matter, and you've lived in an environment like the military where no one cares if you're black, white, Asian. Hell, I've, I've even had friends who weren't even born in the United States and were earning their citizenship to be an American through military service. You know. So you you know it doesn't matter, and watching a whole generation or whole you know millions of people be indoctrinated into thinking it matters is really really frustrating. I can I totally agree with that one hundred percent. It sucks. Yeah, I think the the so called you know self proclaimed because I won't call them that activists nowadays are. Mm-hmm. I'll try to put this in as respectful terms as possible because it because it deserves it they're they're crapping they're they're turning their backs on mm-hmm. everything that the civil rights movement was you know by mm-hmm. by going back and making race the main issue you were now finally yeah. at a point in our country where if we wanted to man we could jump off we could leap to such higher spiritual moral and ethical grounds but then but you're mm-hmm. trying to do that with a with a hundred pound ball chained to your to your ankle. Right. That is these race Great issues that it. are that are being thrown on us. And we were right there. You know, we, we were we were so close. And now we're like you said, we're falling down. You know, we I feel like we made the leap and, you know, we're just going the yeah. wrong way, you know. And, and like I, I said, just personally, even even running for office, you know, I get asked all the time, well, why are you a Republican? First mm-hmm. of all, I didn't know I needed yeah. a reason. You know what I mean? But right, yeah. You know, I have a brain and, <laughs> have a and, brain. and two eyes, and I can yeah. see. You know, I don't like paying, and I make know, my own decisions. Uh, and I've seen amount of taxes. You know, so it's yeah, man, right. It's, it's a crazy world. Mm-hmm. So we uh, we are a fun like like to ask and talk about like strange topics on this podcast. So I will ask you one question, and um, that is, I guess you could say it's like ten foily. Whatever I don't think mm-hmm. it's tinfoil at all, at all, but disclosure, UFO mm-hmm. disclosure, UAP disclosure, right? What's your because the government is who's controlling that leak of information as it comes out, right? So if you're trying to be a part of that, you may hear, you know, people talk about it, or may even wind up on some weird committee at some point talking about what comes out. So my mm-hmm. my question to you is, what is your stance on, or not stance, but like your thoughts, your personal thoughts on on unidentified aerial phenomenon? you know, in general. Mm, yeah. As broad a question as that really is. Yeah. As broad a question. Uh, you know, I haven't gotten into it too deep myself, but I will say this, mm-hmm. uh, Murphy's law, you know, anything that can happen will happen. So mm. is it possible? Yeah. Oh yeah. It's possible. You can't look at the vastness of star of the stars. You can't, right. you can't look up and not wonder, you know? So if, if it mm-hmm. is true, this is the most politician answer I'll ever give in my life, by the way. If it is true, okay, um, but I'll, I'll I'll never do this again. Um, if it is true, man, it's I don't think that that's something that can be approached lightly. You know, definitely we, not. We have to, we I'll have look to up a quote for you real quick. We have to understand the implications of what that would mean, you know, and what that right. would mean for our society, and what that would mean for uh, religions across the world. Because, uh, you know, many, many religions, yeah. I'll say maybe all religions are confined to this earth, you know, and are confined mm-hmm. to here. So right. the human, the implications on humanity would be astronomical. And I would just, mm-hmm. when I have these religious conversations with some friends uh, at work, which is another thing that I love, well, we could talk about here in a second, but 
having open conversations about different things and how we've been taught to don't mm-hmm. talk about politics, don't talk about religion, that's tab- taboo. But when I have these mm-hmm. these topics with or these conversations with friends, I always caution them about being closed minded about any topic mm-hmm. and uh, and more importantly, not closing your your heart to any topic because mm-hmm. it's uh it's important how we approach everything to include aerial phenomenons and and what that might right. mean if it is if they are in fact little green monsters running around everywhere uh sure yeah i i think it's a highly interesting topic and i always enjoy like david grush who's the one of the ones that just testified before congress anytime i see him speaking publicly i want to eat it up and hear what he has to say because he talks about you know reverse engineering programs and finding biologics on some of these downed craft and biologics he uh, he won't say the word bodies uh, but to me, it sounds exactly like bodies. You know what I mean? Um, but uh, what you're talking about is you can't take this lightly. Is uh, it reminded me of a quote. I had to look it up here, so I wanted to quote the right person. But it's by Arthur C. Clarke, and he says, two possibilities exist. Either we are alone in the yeah. universe or we are not. Both are equally terrifying. Yeah, for sure. And I've always that's – a, that's a pretty heavy quote. It is. Part of me thinks that that uh I don't know it it is terrifying in the in the way that I almost would say you would talk about God about like fearing God that something is that God's power is so is so, well his power is powerful that's not good you know yeah. a good way to use words but uh but there's that respect and that fear that you have for it that when I say like it's terrifying to think that there's other life out there it could be completely terrifying insofar as they want to see us you know be destroyed but it's also terrifying in that there's there's so much power and just the unknown of what another intelligent species could could look like you know mm-hmm. so um i've always i've always had like that quote a lot so when you said it, don't treat it lightly that's, that's immediately what came to my mind but yeah definitely man. it's it's i don't know that's a great quote yeah. because yeah either are scary and and what I wanted to mention earlier was this, you know, these, these conversations, mm-hmm. I don't know if you've experienced it in a workplace or not, but mm-hmm. you're always told we try not to talk about politics. We try not to talk about religion. That's taboo here. Yeah. Or that's, uh, mm-hmm. it's really not allowed. And mm-hmm. first of all, that goes against, you know, the first amendment and your ability to talk about those types of things, you know, Mm -hmm. but just when you get told it's, Oh, it's strongly discouraged. And I, I think that, that, that's a norm now, even within your own family, Mm -hmm. you know, within families, people, people are so divided where they can't even have a conversation. So earlier what I was talking about, um, you know, being a Republican who's willing to have a conversation with a Democrat, that's what I mean, you know, because we cannot Mm -hmm. progress unless we're at least willing to talk. You know, I'm going to die on mm-hmm. my hill. You're going to die on yours. But we have mm-hmm. to talk, you know, to at least yeah. see if there's a possibility of a fraction of a chance where I can change your mind or, or you can change mine and, you know, or, or something. You know what I mean? It's, I don't know. Right. It's, it's, it's insane that we are divided and, and trained to be divided the, the way that we are. So we are it, and really the norm should be teaching people to have respectful conversations with one another about politics and religion and training our kids to have those conversations rather than avoiding them because i think if we had a generation of kids who grew up understanding how to have respectful conversations about those things that as adults there would be a lot more that gets done between people and understanding that respectful conversation is what changes hearts and minds right and not 
the aggression and anger and the underhandedness of which politics is done, especially nowadays. It, politics has been rife with that throughout history. Yeah. You go all the way back, you know, to Caesar being stabbed in the forum or whatever, you know, JFK getting assassinated. And that's a whole nother Tim Foyley conversation we could have. Yeah. Um, but it is, that should be the norm is teaching people to have those respectful conversations and get to, uh, we always like to say, at least in the air force, like how can we get to yes? How can we have a conversation when there's regulations that say we can't do this or that, or something that we have painted ourselves into the corner about how can we get to yes and get to those conversations and, and get to progress um, or at least start. Right. And yeah. there needs to be more of that type of thing. And uh, you know, to talk in circles a little bit, teaching kids that that should be the norm is, is one of the things that will help in the long run. It's not an immediate solution, but it's part of the immediate solution. And um, so, I, I mean, I, I like that, you know, you have to be willing to reach across the aisle. Otherwise you're not fighting for my best interest as an American citizen. You're there for your own self-interest or your party self-interest. And again, speaking proverbially, not you yeah. specifically, but you know, and um, so, yeah, man, uh, I know that uh, you're you're probably getting a little crunched on time. So if there's yeah. anything else that uh, you uh, you would like to wrap up with, um, would like to impart before um, we hang it up, just give you the floor. Be as involved as you can be. You know, that's hmm. that's I guess my overall message. Uh, I everybody wants to be Prince Charming, you know, in in life and. I just want to be a fucking lily pad. You know, I want someone, damn, I just broke this. <laughs> I just want to be solid. I want this uh, platform to be used later on in life, you know, uh, by someone else mm -hmm. that may be able to take it all the way home if I don't win and may be able to gather these ideas and think to themselves, okay, I'm going to use this platform, these ideas and, and take it further. Um, I spent a lot of time trying to harness my ego the last few years, which is, mm -hmm the only way that I'm able to stand in front of a camera or stand in front of a person and, and ask for their vote. Because I, I truly mean when I say that I do not want power, it started with the book, the ego is the enemy. You know, I read that years back mm -hmm. and that is where all of this started from. Uh, I just, Holy crap. Okay. What if we could introduce these right. ideas? Right. Yeah, what if we could introduce these ideas into politics? What if we could send the types of people to Congress or to power or at, at, at any level that don't want power? And, you know, obviously that's been talked about throughout history, but mm -hmm. that would be that would be my only my only piece of advice or parting wisdom is get mm -hmm. as involved as you can and realize that these things do matter. And if you do yeah. want to do this, do it. If you've ever thought about it, mm -hmm. if you've ever wondered, if you've ever wished, if you've ever wanted to figure out the way what i did is i saved up some money you know it cost thirty one hundred dollars thirty one twenty five or something like that i saved up some money you know over the last year mm -hmm. and a half and and put it down um actually got to sell my harley to help me fund this a little bit more so if anybody wants Sad to face. <laughs> yeah so um <laughs> yeah man, i mean i don't we're not we're not doing this with money we're doing this with with support and with driving around and trying to talk to as many people as possible Will I be mm -hmm. able to pull it off? I don't know. I'm going up against a huge, huge establishment, huge uh, machine that has already picked their winner. You know, they've already picked their incumbent as their winner. Uh, a lot of local right. groups have already shown favoritism and they've already 
publicly put it out that, hey, we've already endorsed Michael Clouds. Like, man, I haven't even spoken at your event. You haven't even had a chance to right. hear me, judge me, look at me mm-hmm. in the eye, and then tell me that you don't want me as a representative, you know? So this machine right. is real. I will say that right. this apparatus, oh, yeah. the they, does exist. There's mm-hmm. different levels of it, but it does exist. So in order to change it, just look at the they. Go ahead. Sorry, brother. I was just saying, I always just look at the they as the bureaucratic bullshit, and the they is just whoever is part of it and pushing it. Yeah. And damn it, hold on. Give me a second. I broke this thing. You're good, man. My brother's going to be pissed. Um, but yeah, no, yeah, it's, it, it is, it is real. Um, to help out our campaign, the best thing you can do mm-hmm. is, is interact with social media as much as possible from now on. Every post that we do is going to have a list of the counties that are in the 27th district of Texas, and I'll send them to you mm-hmm. too. So you could post it up on here. Um, just yeah, in no the doubt. description, if you know anybody in Texas, if you, think you know anybody in texas that friend from high school that moved away a long time ago hey shoot him a message shoot him this podcast shoot him a link to my website and i'll give you all that information that's the best thing you Mm. can do for us i'm trying to do this without asking for money but people are telling me that it's impossible so if we do ask for money just know that it's not going to be wasted you know it's almost asinine to me to to think that people are asking for money when a time where inflation is high but you know, lawn signs cost mm-hmm. money. You know, lawn signs cost money. Literature costs money. Door signs or little door hangers cost money. All this stuff. Yeah. Uh, we're just we're just doing for the campaign and, and we're trying to self-fund it as much as possible. You know, we've gotten some a little bit of help here and there. So um I don't know if the person who's donated to me wants me to mention his name or not, but he, you know, he he has helped me a little bit, a local vet here who's been amazing and just believes in the message. And uh he's nothing. That's awesome. Yeah, you know, just somebody who who really thought, Hey, I think you could do something. So he helped me out a little bit, but uh, it's, it's a crazy machine that you're trying to fight. This is a David versus Goliath story, you know? And, and if I can pull off the miracle uh, of becoming a representative in this district with pennies, then Mm -hmm. at least you'll know that I'm able to stand by my word and not accept money and not become involved Mm -hmm. with people or become involved with PACs or become involved with organizations that give you money in order for you to worry about your next reelection. But that's what this will be. Mm-hmm. It will be a legitimate miracle if, if I'm able to do this because, and I'm not saying that I'm not confident in my chances, but it's, yeah, it's, it's a force so strong that we're fighting that it's, and, and Vivek talks about this too. And he's not lying when you hear him talk about it. You know, I could even, I can only yeah. imagine at the presidential level, it's gotta be insane, you know? Dude. So, uh, yeah. To help us Sometimes out. Sometimes I worry about his his safety probably more than he does. Just anybody that talks that avidly against the the them, right? Yeah. It's like you got to be opening yourself up for a bu- a bunch of shit. So yeah, I worry about my safety too. I'm not gonna lie. Um, I've I've already yeah. been told by a couple people. You know, hey, be careful, Damn, bro. Be careful. You know, be your message is uh, is strong. So. It doesn't mean I can't say well, it. You're, it doesn't mean I don't want to say it. Yeah. Doesn't mean it doesn't need to be said. Um, what was that guy, Juicy Schmoulier? What he said? What did he say? Whenever yeah, he was, he, yeah, yeah. He's like, I did not kill myself. <laughs> like, yeah, that's, that's right. pretty much how I feel. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's. Uh, I'm happy. Yeah, I'm happy. I don't I have love my life. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, because right. You know, who knows what these people are capable of? But um, no doubt. Man, yeah. Th- thank you for giving me the platform. And like I said, 
yeah. best way you can help us is social media. I want to show this establishment that it doesn't take what you think it takes. You know, you have mm-hmm. millions of dollars. The incumbent has access to millions of dollars, a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of my other opponents here in the district has, they're, they're both my, so there's me, the incumbent, um, and then two other represented or two other people that are running for rep here. They're local businessmen. I mean, they're, they're nice guys too, but they're also wealthy businessmen, you know? So I think that mm-hmm. that removes a little bit of the level of representation from, from us. And they might've started out as one of us, but mm-hmm. they are no longer. And there's nothing wrong with making money. Right. There's nothing wrong with making something of yourself and making those millions. But it just, in this point in time, I think it's, more beneficial for the people to see someone do it from nothing, do it uh, from, from a stance of not having wealth. And that'll benefit everybody across the board. You know what I mean? Not just mm-hmm. seeing, oh, well, of course, another rich guy got it. You know, that's kind of the status quo. Right. You know what I mean? So, mm-hmm. yeah, exactly. Dude, thank you so much for coming on here. It's nice to actually have a conversation with you, get to meet you, see what you stand for. Uh, I gotta say, man, you know, knowing you a lot better now, I'm I'm super proud uh, to to know there's people out there, vets that are trying to make a difference for for Americans, and um, you know, I, obviously, veterans were very interested in our country and and bettering our country in general. That's a pretty well understood thing about veterans, but you're taking another step in representing Americans, you know, in your district and and around the the country, trying to to leave it better than you found it, so to speak. So hats off to you. I appreciate you uh, coming on here and talking about it. I appreciate it, man. Thank you very much. And thanks for uh, supporting the company as well. That means a lot. Yeah, no doubt. All right. right, Well, concludes uh, another episode of I Came With Fire podcast. If you guys were wondering, um, Zach had some uh, prior obligations because of uh, Uncle Sam. And um, so he he wasn't able to, to join us tonight, but don't worry. He's still around. He didn't disappear. And uh, yeah, what's up, man? You got one more else? thing. Uh, yeah, March fifth is the primary. Sorry, I'm new at this political. March fifth. So March fifth is the primary here in Texas. So um, that's that's the date that people need to get out to vote. Need to register at least thirty days prior. So for those of you who don't mm-hmm. know how it works, and I hope to not insult anybody's intelligence, right now there are four Republicans that are raising their hands and saying, "Hey, me, me, pick me. I'm the best Republican." March fifth is is when that Republican will get decided, right? And the same thing is happening mm-hmm. on the Democratic side. I think they have one or two. Those two mm. people, right, the Democrat and the Republican who are chosen, will be the names on the on the ballot in the general election with the presidential election. So, again, not to insult right. anybody's intelligence, but just in case you, you hear March 5th and you're like, what the hell does that mean? Um, that's what that is. It's, it's the primary, primary race. So March 5th, yep. everybody, 27th District, you'll see the list. You'll see the list of counties. Anybody you know that might be interested in the message, just, you know, fan the flame and see if we can get this going. Absolutely. Well, good luck to you, Luis. Hey, man. Thank you.